0: So we are live on Facebook. I'm here with Chris Thomas at Fusion Odyssey on Instagram. He's an eight-year NFL wide receiver. San Diego Chargers, San Francisco 49ers, Washington Redskins, St. Louis Rams, Kansas City Chiefs. And he is a Super Bowl champion. Six-foot-two, 195 pounds from Ventura, California. He now owns and runs Fusion Odyssey where he teaches athletes of all ages, how to unlock their most powerful weapon, the mind, to achieve and transform their their game to start performing at levels they never thought possible. Coach, thank you so much for your time um, here today and joining us. How's it going?
1: Hey, Coach Madden. How's it? It's going fantastic. How are you?
0: Very good. Very good. Before we start, can I see that ring on your finger?
1: I wore (laughs) it just for you. I don't typically wear this, but – that is, that is sweet, it. See man. it
0: that is so sweet childhood dream team, which makes it even sweeter oh man, you know what i uh I got to be honest, I am not the hugest football fan I'm a baseball guy as you know, um but I did watch some football uh in, in the early days when I was coming up, and that was one of my favorite teams
1: oh, okay yeah that was uh, it was it was an amazing experience for me i mean it, it made Really made my NFL career not just because he won the Super Bowl, but just because the culture. You know, I think the culture was everything you'd want it to be, and it explains a lot about why we won a championship. So it was really special. And it was the Rams, and I grew up as a Rams fan, being a Cali boy.
0: That's cool. Now, people may be wondering, what the heck is an NFL Super Bowl champion doing on a baseball uh, channel here? Uh, And it's funny, I'm going to tell, if you don't mind, I'll tell the story real quick how we met um, I was, uh, reaching out to customers of my website about this little mini glove that I sell. And, uh, one of the customers happened to be, uh, coach Thomas and he reached back and he was cool enough to tell me what he thought about the glove. And he started telling me that he's training these baseball players come to find out he is who he is. And, uh, and we started talking from there and he's got this really amazing, Training that he's doing with not only football players, not only soccer players, not only softball players, but with baseball players as well. And I was just so intrigued by what he's got going on. And uh, I want you to share with everyone what you got going on. What is Odyssey, uh, Fusion Odyssey, and how are you helping not only baseball players, but athletes in general take their game to the next level?
1: Yeah, so Fusion Odyssey started for me 15 years ago. It really was when I left the game of football, I retired. And I was transitioning into life after football. I joined Merrill Lynch, a financial investment firm. And right about the same time, I had a coworker of mine who was coaching JV football at a local high school that's very prominent. And he asked me to go out for one day and work with his JV wide receivers. And of course, I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Well, my personality is such that I don't just go out there. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to go out there for one day, what am I actually going to give them? You know, I've never really done this. What am I going to give them? So Interestingly interestingly enough, I sort of started looking at, okay, well, what made me great at what I did? And um, in the process of that, I, I always recognized that this extremely challenging experience in the NFL. It, it challenged every chamber of who I was as a person, who I could be as a performer. I was contending with forces. There was no book for it. I didn't even know that those forces existed because they weren't any part of my experience until the NFL. And so I had to go to places that just physical and technical work weren't going to resolve. And um, it wasn't until someone asked for my help that I actually reflected on it, if that makes any sense. Um, And then at that point, I was like, wait a minute, I feel like I was playing this different game. And I feel like this game went beyond just running routes and working hard and running hills and everything else. So I think I was playing this game for the mind, It's different intellectual game, It's different psychological game, a certain emotional game. I wonder what's going to happen if I give that to these kids. So I did that for one day. And then one day, the coaches were like, what just happened? Like, those kids are not supposed to be doing what you just had them doing. How did you do that? Like, I'm not exactly sure. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, I didn't leave it there. I ended up sticking around. And stayed there for the whole season and basically watched all these kids transform right in front of my eyes. Um, Three kids that were completely irrelevant became superstars. That led parents to go, listen, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, That was amazing. Can we get more of it? I I said, sure, why not? I created this private four and a half month learning institution called Fusion Odyssey. And really what, what that meant was when you come to me, This isn't about just going to get bigger, stronger, faster. This isn't about just doing technical work. This is about unlocking a component of performance that is going to give every single person a chance to play a game that is fearless, without judgment, without pressure, without expectation, without trying to be perfect, without being inhibited. Um, I'm gonna teach you how to play as an intellect before you're an athlete. And I'm gonna allow you to play in this cocoon where you learn to play this game within the game that you can put in a backpack and take in any environment and become a version of yourself that your physical abilities by themselves would never let you accomplish. And so that's what happened. Started with five guys, and it was just supposed to be on the side. I was still working at Merrill Lynch, and then every year um, it just got bigger, and, and it was really just football players initially for the first 12 years. And uh, those players just were doing insane things. Uh, and then I did a talk at a local YMCA, expecting like 10 or 14 boys there about three and a half years ago, show up. There's 26 club soccer girls there. Um, and I was like having to speak to an audience I wasn't prepared for. Um, I've always known that there's a lot that inhibits athlete. I've always, athletes. I've always known that athletes are not at all at close to breaching their greatness because the only world they know is the physical world and the technical world. And yet 66% of your game is going to come from your mental game. So if you're not unlocking any of that, you're giving up 66% of your greatness. Um, so when I talked to these girls, they basically, I said, listen, if there's something affecting you want to you know, talk to me about it. And, or you want to learn to play this game within the game, write your name and email them. Well, 21 Girls wrote down, I need help. Started with a couple, and right out the gate, they went on and did things that were just insane. And not even just physically, Coach, it was that, yes, I talked to them to play this game with a ball that they had never played before, like immediately, which is shocking because, you know, you're talking to girls who play club soccer for six or seven years, you know. They go to practice three or four days a week. They've touched a million soccer balls, and in 15 minutes, you're gonna teach them how to touch the ball in a way they never have before. Correct.
0: Because it's coming from the mind.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: so uh, I took these two girls, and they did these amazing things. I started consulting with athletes because of them and really helping them redefine the entire sports experience because we live in a culture, whether you're in Florida, whether you're where I am, where you know, young people grow up believing that they're supposed to judge themselves because everybody else is. They have to question who they are because everybody else is. They have to scrutinize that they're good enough because everybody else is. They have to exist with pressure because you know they may or may not be enough. And so now they're, they're scared that they might not get what they want or someone's gonna deny them of their sense of self or whatever it is that goes on, they've grown up like that. So they only know how to function Whenever it comes time to step onto a stage or put themselves out there and make themselves vulnerable, they only know how to function with a fear of failure. Mm -hmm. That's it. And it's a brutal way to try to perform, especially when you're not gifted. Um, And there's only so many people who are really gifted and they don't know how to do anything about that except try to function in spite of that. And that's a horrible way to exist when you want to go be great. Um, So that basically started me going, I think I'm supposed to be doing this for my life. Within three months, I was working with 16 soccer girls privately, like four baseball kids, um, a couple basketball boys, and I decided I was going to leave Maryland after 14 years and go and create a video series that would give everybody in the universe access to what it is that I know about the mind. So I created a 28-video series that addresses every single component of the emotional game, intellectual game, psychological game, so that people literally can go out and reinvent who they are um, overnight, virtually. So I did that for two years and for just about two years and launched that at the end of last year, 2019. And now that's kind of my new life. And then I work with athletes physically in my backyard uh, where I can, but at some point I'm going to be giving myself a chance to work with athletes over the internet um, through workshops and also physically in workshops when we stop being quarantined. So that's kind of fusion odyssey.
0: That is so cool. And I know from my own experience, the power of that you said instant Uh, disruption or change of path because I played just like you said I had the fear of failure for a long time luckily I had the talent like you said some guys aren't lucky enough to have the talent but I played that way all the way until my junior year of college and it was in my actually in my senior year of college when something clicked and I know what it is I airmailed the ball into the stands during a game and I (laughs) I felt terrible. I was like, I never want to feel that way again. I was always the last guy in line for practice so I could do the least amount of reps that I could because I was afraid to fail. I was that guy the whole time. Once I had that one situation happen, I had it happen many times, but there was one time where I said, I don't ever want that to happen again. And this may be my last season of playing baseball if I don't change it. So I said, you know what? Whatever I do from now on on the baseball field, I'm going to go at it with full conviction, 100% conviction and belief. And if the pitcher calls fastball in, I'm not going to say, oh, I hope I don't hit this guy. Instead, I'm going to go, here it comes, sucker. If it's going to hit you, you better get out of the way. And it was just an instant thought in my head that changed everything. I went from a terrible player to an All-American, ended up getting drafted that year, playing professionally for six years. And it was I think it was from that one second, that one split second and decision like you said. So when you say that you can tell these athletes something and then 15 minutes later be a totally different athlete, I 100% believe that when you say it because I had that in my own experience. Why is it so important that these, these players ha- unlock that? I want to say unlock because that's really what you're doing is unlocking this special place in their brain why is it so important that they do it? And, and, like, can you take us through some of the process without giving away too much of what you do?
1: Sure, yeah. Well, it's critical because I've never met an athlete that doesn't want to go out and maximize their success on the field, right? And that doesn't discriminate. It doesn't say, well, that's only true if you're a great, naturally gifted athlete, right? I don't, it doesn't matter if you're the most remedial recreational athlete. If your parents stuck you out on the soccer field or stuck you out on the baseball field or put you on the basketball court, no one goes out there saying, I hope that I'm terrible with that. You know what I mean? It's like every single athlete would love to have and maximize their success. Yet the large majority of them have no idea how. You know, athletes like you and athletes like me, you know, I was naturally gifted and you were naturally gifted. And so those gifts took us far enough that we didn't have to worry about being scrutinized and we can go out and have success, at least enough of it so that, we were always sort of in the spotlight. And so we never had to really address not having a toolkit to deal with judgment and pressure and expectations and all that because there were none. You know, people were going to leave us alone because we were good enough. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, but at some point, that all comes to a head. And, you know, in the NFL, I will never forget it. The first day I sat in a meeting room in the NFL, the coach said, Get ready, man. The game's about to become 85% mental and 15% physical. And when you hear that, it's really alarming, and it's such a foreign concept that you can't even process it, because no one's ever even told you that before, nor have they given you a pathway where you could even know what that means, like how to access that 85% if that were true. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, so here he is saying something, and you're like, uh, what does that mean exactly? I got here because I was a great athlete, and I was more dynamic, and I could do more on the big stage. That's why you liked me. And now you're telling me that might not matter. I really don't know what it means because an hour from now, I'm gonna have to go out to the field and out athlete some other guy. You know what I mean? And you know, it wasn't until I was immersed into the NFL that I started really understanding like, wow, okay. I'm getting this whole mental game thing. Like I realized I was always playing this intellectual game growing up. I wasn't just this great athlete. This is starting to explain a lot. I realized like I was kind of already the psychological you know, monster um, growing up with my competitiveness and my fire and my fearlessness. And so that's kind of explaining a lot. Um, but then there was this emotional part of the game that I really had no idea about that I had to learn on the go because it was going to literally end my career. Um, so I say all that to say what I determined was the game. I would say that the game always is mental a hundred percent of the time, but you can get away with, physical gifts a portion of the time regardless if you want to truly unlock your greatness the mental game is 66% of that there's a psychological emotional component that's 33% there's this uh, intellectual component that's 33% and then there's this physical component that's 34% and when you you cannot work physically and technically and think that somehow that's going to give you access to just you know playing a different emotional game, playing without judgment and playing without fear and playing without feeling pressure and playing without trying to be perfect. It doesn't work that way. You could go work as hard as you want technically and physically. And that in itself guarantees you nothing. If I can give you a quick story, um, this is what happened to me. You know, I played two years in the NFL. I never really stepped on the field in San Diego, despite feeling like I was playing really good football. My contract was up there. No one really wanted to sign me. It was the offseason. I was working really hard, just hoping that there was going to be someone that wanted to dance with me. And the San Francisco 49ers called. They had just won the Super Bowl. They had Hall of Famers on their team. At that point in time, they were kind of the dynasty in the NFL and the organization everyone wanted to be like. And I go there for a workout. I'm just supposed to be there for a day, fly in, work out, fly back home. They literally said, we're not signing you. I went there. At that point, I kind of knew how to play this game within the game. I did it for myself impress them enough that they signed me to a weekend contract They wanted to see more of me. That weekend turned into a two year contract with a signing bonus Ended up playing the football of my life in the most scrutinized environment I've ever been. In. And that didn't phase me until I started getting cussed out by the head coach who did not like me. Um, and I was everything I should have been. Um, but he didn't like, he didn't like me. He didn't want me there. I was not part of his agenda. I was not part of his plan. I actually was him So Unbeknownst to me, I'm just getting like licked up by him, and just getting mf'd and cussed out, and 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 literally that stuff's being manufactured. Like he's looking for reasons to do that. Not, I wouldn't even tell you that I gave him reasons to do that. If that makes sense. Um, So it was totally new to me, and it didn't shake me up at that point in time. I make the team. uh, I have a conversation with him. I said, I'm not sure if I gave you the impression of who I am, but I'm just here to be the best guy I can be and help this team win. And he says, That was an issue. You wouldn't be here, so drop it. That was the extent of our conversation. He proceeded to cuss me out some more. Third week of the season, I'm about to go get a rep in practice. And he yanks me out to put in Hall of Fame you know, wide receiver Jerry Rice. And apparently, didn't like my body language walking behind the huddle. So he cusses me out again. And at that point, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm this guy, man. I'm just, I'm over this. And I go in for the next rep, and keep in mind, again, he had just cussed me out, which wasn't new. But what was new was that in that next rep, the ball was going to me, and I dropped it. And for a fraction of a second, I thought, hey, if you start dropping balls, this guy hates your guts. He's going to cut you. Coach, that, the opposite of you, that negative thought for a fraction of a second turned Chris into a kid who, who forgot how to catch overnight. Because now became overnight about trying not to drop a ball because I knew that that was going to get me potentially cut, and that's what he was standing 12 feet away from me looking for and all of a sudden I started dropping balls because I was playing defense I no longer was playing offense I was all I was all about trying to protect not being bad and so I became inhibited, I became tentative, I became tight, the ball looked differently coming in at me and I started dropping. ball a day every practice and more on some practices and it started crippling me literally I started having anxiety looking back for about three and a half four weeks and um I could not get out of this funk I was just like in this whirlpool and I couldn't get out of it and I was in quicksand and I couldn't get out of it and I became literally scared to go to practice in a matter of three and a half weeks when I was like a dude I was killing it I was killing it before that negative thought happened so this is where kind of I would tell you that my de facto PhD in sports psychology started happening uh, because I had to get mad and I had to get I had to hate that feeling enough that I was willing to just remind myself of why I was even playing football in the first place. And that's kind of what happened. Two and a half weeks of that where I felt horrible. I was playing terrible football. I expected every day to show up at the complex and get a tap on the shoulder that says the head coach wants to see who's going to cut you. And I just got mad. I went home one night, just felt terrible, looked in the mirror, and just basically just got pissed and kind of, in my own way, kind of cussed the coach out, basically said how much I didn't like him, didn't respect him, that he was of no benefit to me whatsoever. And the truth is, I never played for him in the first place. You know, I play football because I love destroying some guys across from me that thinks that for seven seconds he can stop me from getting what I want. That's what I train for. That's what I love rehearsing for. And I let him change the game, you know? And so I was like, no, I'm going to go get my seven seconds back tomorrow. If he wants to cut me, he can cut me. I'm over it. I don't like him. Don't respect him. I'm not playing for him. I'm playing for me. So if I'm going down, I'm going down on my terms. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. Got mad. Practice came for seven seconds. I went to a different place that wasn't physical. It was all mental. And I owned that seven seconds. And so I had to deal with him for 18 months before eventually he would cut me the next year. But while he was cutting me in the process of that, the, the second-in-command coach pulled me into his office after I was there for a year. It's now the next offseason. He basically pulled me in to say, you are a great player. I think you could be a great wide receiver. If we didn't draft this guy in the first round last year, a wide receiver, you're starting right now. That's what we think of you." And I was like, wow, coach, thank you so much. And he says, but the head coach doesn't like you. And I already knew that. At that point, he had already, you know, lit me up multiple times. And I said, why? He goes, I have no idea. And so that's what I was contending with, Coach. That there's, Again, there's no book for that. You know what I mean? Like, right, you right. think if you're playing great, you're going to get what you want. Right. And yet, here you are playing great. And some guy's like, I do not care. I, I want to end your career. I don't want you here. I don't want you to have success. So I'm going to see if I can sabotage it. And so my point in saying all that is to say, when that was going on, this is what I'm talking about physical and tactical work. I could have gone out during that three-week period and I could have been like, okay, Chris, you got to go catch, you know, 100 extra balls a day. Okay, Chris, you got to go out you got to go run 30 extra routes a day. Okay, Chris, you got to go work harder than weight room. What would any of that have had to do with me getting over a crippling emotional experience? None of that would have helped
0: me. Right.
1: Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. And
1: it was all like me having to now find a pathway to the next dimension of performance, which was really the mental dimension. It was the mental access that allowed me to to transform and change what I was actually doing physically. Right? It wasn't that I did anything extra physically. I didn't learn to catch better after those three and a half weeks. I learned to allow myself and let myself be the player that I was meant to be by living in a different space that was learning to become fearless and non-judgmental and not feel pressure and not try to live up to an expectation and not tell yourself to be perfect. And I started owning that space over and over and over and over again. And I had to do that for two more years in Washington right after I was in San Francisco. The same exact circumstance. So that's kind of what I understood about the mental game. And that's the thing that's so hard for for athletes. I mean, I'm watching documentaries now where I'm watching professional athletes come out and talk about, the abyss that they're in emotional. And these are the best players on the planet at their craft, which should tell everybody something in swing sport. These are the best athletes at what they do. And they're coming out saying, I had a panic attack. They're coming out saying, I have anxiety. I'm depressed. I don't know how to deal with the pressure. I don't know how to deal with this fear of failure. I don't know how to deal with the judgment, especially with social media, such as so prominent in our lives. You know, I don't know how to deal with that. And it's now overwhelming. And that's what happens. It just chips away at you. until so finally one day you're up to your chest in quicksand and you can't breathe. That's what really what happens because you've never been given a toolkit. You've just been thrust into an environment where you're like, I'm going to make myself vulnerable to you judging me when I go out to the stage of athletics. Whatever that stage is, it could be pony baseball. It could be the NFL. It could be MLB. It could be college. I'm going to make myself vulnerable and trust that you won't like violate that by judging me or telling me that I'm not enough. And then people tell you that you're not enough or you go that way yourself because you've just grown up expecting that you're not enough. And eventually that weight becomes so heavy that it buries you until you break. Mm -hmm. And and so I get that because I was in that environment. The difference is I was built to be able to withstand that and figure out how to get beyond it. And then I access this whole other world where I was like, whoa, My goodness, like this is where every athlete deserves to exist, assuming that they truly care about being great. If you don't, then you will never access the 66%. That's going to change everything about how you play the game. And that's what's so cool is that when you access the mental space, literally it's going to change what you allow yourself to do physically and technically. Right? You're not going to try to do something. You're going to let yourself do exactly what it is you want to do, Because you're going to create a different connection with your action, which creates a different feeling with my action. And it all starts with having a different intention with an action, right? It's the intention that creates a different connection. The connection creates a different feel. The feel creates the ability to fix. But once I know that I can fix anything that's going on in front of me, then what else is there to judge? There's nothing that I need to judge. I'm just an observer So I'm like, I know exactly why that happened. Give me the ball and I'll show you how I can fix it right? It's the inability to fix that creates fear because that's where people are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that again. You know, they line up like, please don't let me do this again. That's what's going on in their head. And then they do it again because one, they don't know how to fix it. Two, they're playing defense. So that negative thought is just creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a really brutal way to exist. It's how most athletes exist. And they don't even understand that there's a place that they can go where they don't have to live like that right? They can change every definition of anything they've ever felt that was negative in their lives, literally overnight.
0: That's, uh, that's well said, man. And that, you know, the game of baseball is such a game of failure too. Like the best players in the game are failing seven out of 10 times. How is some of this, your training, uh, how are you working with baseball players? Cause I saw a really cool video you shared with me with, the, with some of the pitchers where they were just nailing this ball off of the tee. And I, I believe they had their eyes closed too, when they were doing it or some on some of the throws and they're just smoking this ball off of the tee. And you could see in their reactions that they were just like, so shocked that they had just unlocked this mental part of their game that they never knew existed or never knew how to access so how are you taking some of your training and working specifically with uh, baseball players
1: yeah well I love baseball just because I think there are so many interesting nuances about it because everyone does say that it's a you know high failure sport when it comes to hitting right um and you just remind me because one of the things that I never use is the the word failure anymore I never use that because um actually i've never used it period but and it's there's a very specific reason i do not use it because there is a stigma attached to the word failure that young people feel and is present in their lives ever since they're young kids and that stigma is not like positive it's a negative stigma right so if i didn't get what i want then i fail right if i didn't if i wanted the a and and i'm a grade and i got a b i fail. If I wanted three hits today and I got two, I failed. If I had said I'm going to score three goals and I scored one or none, I failed. And failure is a very heavy uh, cross to bear. And when you failed enough, eventually you become paralyzed by the fear of failing. And it really isn't even a failure. It's just that's how you defined it because the rule told you that's how you define it, right? Either you achieve this or you fail, right? This was the goal, so either I achieve that or I failed. Well, yeah, good luck with existing like that because most of the time you're not achieving that, yeah. right? And so if you can't put that in context, you're always going to feel like a failure to the point where like you can't even perform without trying to protect from felt. if that makes sense. Um, so I never use that word. I always use falling short. And there's a reason why I use falling short, which I explained in one of my videos, but it changes immediately how someone will allow themselves to go out and perform when literally you change just that one word and they create a different definition around it. It, it literally can change someone in, in overnight uh, by just changing failure to falling short and then literally never thinking about failure again, because it's really an inappropriate word based on what you're doing. Um, but that being said, what I love about baseball is that that's one of the conversations that I have with anyone who's hitting. Like, you know, this isn't about you failing. This is about you falling short whenever you don't get what you want. But one of the things that I do is I immediately teach this game within the game. And so that's where your web glove came into play. My son had been using that before I ever talked to him, using that for for years since he was eight years old. He's now a freshman at USC, but he used to catch, he's a center fielder, used to catch balls with the web glove, little small foam balls that I would hit to him that are the size of a golf ball. He'd be using a skinny bat and small balls since he was a kid. and anyone can do that. You know, 35,000 kids could be doing that in California. The difference is they're just doing it. They're not doing it with the intention to learn to play a game that's that big and then own a game that's that big over and over and over and over again. And there's so many things that happen when you go to a place where you're trying to own a game that big. One, it forces you to hyperfocus in a way that just taking hacks never does. Uh, two, when you hyper-focus, then you do what you do with a different intention. Three, when you hyperfocus and do it with a different intention, there's a totally different connection to what you're doing. And we're not playing a game like, hey, let's just go hit the ball. We're playing a game of the ball needs to do this every single time you swing the bat. It needs to sound like this, it needs to feel like this, it needs to look like this. And it's the same thing for pitchers. So when they get the ball in their hands, we're playing a totally different game. The second the ball is in their hands, one of the things we do is they sat on their butt I put cones with a ball on a cone that was about 12 yards away. And the game was to literally sit on your butt and go, like, hit the ball. Well, for every one of the pitchers that I was working with, these were pro guys. I was asked to go speak to 16 professional baseball players by their longtime baseball agent, um, Paige O'Dell, And after that, I gave them the chance to work with me. Well, 14 of the 16 guys were like, I want to work with you because I want to know what you're talking about. And I was able to work with seven of them only just because of time constraints. And one of the things I had them do was sit on their butt and go throw this gun. Well, they struggled immediately. Why? Because they're all used to pitching. Like, I don't want you to pitch. I want you to connect. So what I'm going to ask you to do is take your hand and just connect to the ball. Like, that ball is your landmark. I want you to feel yourself go right to it and connect here. I no longer want you to try to be connecting with your technique and your mechanics. Because if that was the answer, then all of your woes would be resolved. If that was the only thing that you needed to do was go solve, uh, to solve whatever it is that was broken, then you would fix it. And so why is it that that many guys still can't fix it? You know, and that, that's, that was my response to a question to them. They're like, no, that explains a ton. Like the first thing that I do is I try to make it a mechanical thing. I'm like, well, if it was a mechanical thing, then why do a hundred pitchers have a hundred different variances of how they pitch? You know, and they're, and they're just like, whoa, that's so true. I'm like, I want you to connect to this because this you can put in a backpack and take anywhere you want. So what happens almost immediately when you teach them that, they start missing the ball by that much. And now it's not like, oh my gosh, you don't want to miss the ball. It's like, oh, I, it's like throwing a dart at a dartboard. You're like, oh, I want to hit that ball so bad. Give, give me another dart. I want to hit the bullseye. You know what I mean? Give me, Give me another ball. I want to hit that ball. And so they start playing this game where there's no judgment. It's all about connection. It's like, all I care about is for this one moment, owning that game just had me play. Well, the second you go there, you become hyper-focused like that, your mind goes like this. When your mind goes like that, there is no space for you to go, oh, don't miss. Oh, but he's watching. Oh, but I'm going to judge this. Oh, I need to be perfect. None of those thoughts can come into your space because there is not enough space for that if you're going to own that game. Because I'm asking you to win a game that's that big. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. 100. And so it's the same thing with hitting. I'm going to ask you to win a game that's that big. And the great part about that is, is how quickly you go to a place that's totally non-judgmental, Because you learn to live in these moments where you become an observer, not a judge. And it happens almost like immediately. You're like, okay, I'm, why, why did you not get what you want? Well, because I felt myself do this and I needed to do that. Exactly. Can you fix that? Yeah, okay, show me. And so you are now simply processing information. You're no longer judging whether that result was good or bad. And everyone exists in a world where every time they do anything, they immediately go to judging it as being either good or bad. Right. And if you don't have the proper toolkit, then when you judge it as bad, that typically doesn't like relieve you and make you go, oh, I'm gonna be really free the next time I do it. It's actually gonna create more pressure. You're gonna get tighter, And you're going to be that much closer to actually repeating that negative result again. Right? So we play these small microscopic games because the reality is this, if I can get you to play this game, we're in the process of teaching you how to be exponentially better producing results that you've never had before way more consistently. I can get you to do that. And I can get you to win games that are that big over and over and over again that connect you to that game. And you can put that game in the backpack and create it yourself then the reality is I'm asking to win a game that big. You need to win in a space that's that big. And so what we're really doing is when you learn to own this game with hyper focus and intention and connection and feel and the ability to fix. Well, when you're off and you're off by 10 or 15%, you're still in the space like this. This is a space where you need to win. Well, when I'm off by 10 or 15%, I'm still within the parameters of where I need to win. And if I'm off by 20%, I'm still in the parameters of where I need to win. So literally you're creating a margin for error that nobody else has. No one. They can't compete with you. And whether that's hitting or whether that's pitching, and that's what the pitchers were feeling. I mean, one of the pitchers you saw, I didn't even know him. He, He was there at the talk. I worked with some pitchers one time, and then he joined us the second time. And... I only knew him as like this, this big guy who threw hard. And one of the things we did immediately was we closed our eyes to 12 yards away and we were throwing to each other, playing a game to put the ball in each other's chest. Well, why do we close our eyes? Because it activates feel, right? Um, and that only activates feel if someone is directing you to activate feel because anybody can close their eyes and throw the ball. Right? But they're just gonna close their eyes and throw the ball and be like, I'm gonna try to hit your chest. Well, that's not what we're doing. There's an intention behind what we're doing that activates a different sensory system. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And and so that's what happens. Well, so now we're playing this game to throw the ball in each other's chest, and they're watching me do it. And I don't rehearse this. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't ever rehearse it just so I can be good at it when it comes time to do it. I didn't even know I was going to do it with these guys. But there's four of us doing it, three pitchers and me. And the first one of five wins. I came in second, and I got four on the guy's chest. And another pitcher came in third, and he was three. And then this guy I was throwing with was one. And I was scared. Like he threw so hard that <laughs> he was all over the place. I'm like, this guy's gonna hurt me, man. We're only 12, 12 yards away from each other, and he just couldn't—he couldn't feel what was going on. Well, when we got to sitting on the butt, he was all over the place, bouncing balls and throwing them all over, and he couldn't even come close. And then I created a connection for the first time because I really kind of wanted to see where he was. The second, he started feeling connection. He ended up winning the game, sitting on your butt, throwing the cone or throwing the ball to the cone to hit the ball. And then we start pitching from the mouth. And one of the things I asked them all to do was at some point early on was close their eyes. Why? Because that activates feel and it activates connection. It no longer is about your mechanics. Everything is about feeling this, right? I'm feeling this. I'm owning this. And they immediately started like hitting the ball, hitting the tee. Uh, It was crazy. And I will tell you, coach, it's a hard thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, there's three of those guys who pitched the day before, and between the three of them in an hour and a half, they might have hit the ball off the tee with their eyes open four or five times together between the three of them. This guy, he hit the ball with his eyes closed 80% 80 of the time. And not just eyes closed fastball, eyes closed throwing off-speed pitches and stuff. He hit the ball off the tee 10 times out of 22 pitches. Wow. Wow. And that is, like, off the charts. And wow. I didn't know him. And by the fourth time that he did it, I mean, the other guys did it, too. But they were equally amazed. I mean, it was insane. And, and in that video, you might have heard them say, like, one guy's like, dude, I think you're like a miracle. This is crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but I asked him after he hit the ball off the tee, like, the fourth time. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know you. Are you that accurate? And he goes, never in my life. He goes, I'm literally known as the wild guy who cannot throw a strike. He said, I don't think, Chris, ever in my life, I've thrown four, four pitches exactly where I've wanted to throw them. And this is a guy who's 24 years old. You know what I mean? It goes to show you how fast you can activate the mind and how dramatically it changes what you actually do physically, right? Because they've thrown 20,000 bullpens, and they've worked with you know pitching coaches forever and, They've been working on their arm forever. Well, how can you change someone in a day by unleashing the mind because it's going to change the game you actually play with your arm and your hand and the ball. And you're going to create a different game. It isn't about make sure your knee's here, make sure your step's there, make sure I'm doing that. It's not about that, dude, when it's all said and done. Yes, you have to do that stuff because that's 34% of your game. But if you want to go to another level, the 66% exists from the mind. But the great part about it is the mind is level two. If you can access the mind and unlock the mind, it immediately trickles down into what you do at level one. And that's the physical action in your, in your sport with you and your instrument. So it was a really fascinating thing to watch. He literally said um, at the end, we kind of did this round table. He said, uh, I got picked up or I was drafted by the angels. The angels have tried to spend years or, or have tried to spend time honing me in, in years, no one's ever been able to hone me in. in an hour you had me doing things where like literally you honed me in and he said, no one's ever been able to do that. And you did it in an hour. You know what I mean? And it's really not, I'm only, I'm giving you information. I'm telling you, I didn't learn and read this stuff in a book. I mean, I lived this at the highest, most scrutinized level of sports. And I was the laboratory experiment. You know what I mean? Like I am the one who figured this out on my own because I had to, if I was going to sustain success, where people didn't want me to have it. So you're getting it from someone who didn't read it in a book, I lived it. So I know the power of it in you interpreting this and, and infusing this in actual action. If you really care about being great, you have got to unlock the mind. It's, it's too big a part of your performance. It's 66% of your game. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And I, you know, it's funny because I would love to be the guy to stand next to that guy when someone asks him, who's your pitching coach? Oh, he's an NFL wide receiver. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> and they were tripping. What was funny was I know that they were tripping when they were listening to me. I mean, clearly they knew that I had this information because the region presented it like that. Like, listen, I've heard Chris speak. This is a gift for you guys. You're going to get access to something that you've never heard. And I promise you, just from listening to him, you're going to be a better player tomorrow because of it. So he presented it like that. They listen to me, then they sign up to work with me, and they had to be thinking, like, well, they don't know me, so what is a football guy going to teach me? Because at that point, they don't know that I've worked with these baseball kids. They don't, they don't know that I've worked with soccer kids. They don't know that this isn't about the sport. It's about the mind integrated into your action in your sport. Um, and the video that you saw, you know, I sent it to my son's college baseball coach, who his response immediately was, this is, that's, this is really impressive it explains a lot about your son and his ability to compete and perform. And he's right because he doesn't perform as an athlete, as a gifted baseball player. He performs as a mental baseball player who happens to be gifted. And he allows those gifts to blow up like they're on steroids. You know what I mean? And so these guys, yeah, when they, when they heard me, it was one thing when they saw me, it was another. And one of the guys kind of said it at the end, we were interviewing. I said, tell me how this was. He goes, well, listen, when we first talked about this, I mean, if I didn't know you, and I was just a parent, I, I would hear you and be like, this guy's crazy. You know what I mean? And he goes, it's kind of like Bill James. And he came out with the whole Saber metrics. Thing. you'd be like, it's, it's so next level that you'd be like, this guy's crazy. He said, but then you come out here and you work with you. And after one time, you're like, this guy's a miracle worker. And he said, and it's not just that you talk about it, Chris, you don't play baseball. I watched you get on the mound and no warm up literally demonstrate hitting the ball off the team, what we're going to do. And you missed it by four inches and you didn't even warm up. You you haven't even done it. And I watch you close your eyes and play the game on the chest. I watch you do this stuff. And the reason you can do that is because you completely understand the the role the mind plays in transforming what you do physically. Like, So it's not that you you know it, like literally you came out here and you did it to demonstrate. So it says so much about how you, how you totally understand how that connection works. And it's true. I mean, it's the most fascinating thing, coach, and the best part about it is that it's going to allow you to fall in love with performing again, because the sports was meant to be a mechanism for discovery. It was meant to be fun. And for so many people, it's not fun. You know? And the, the higher up you get, ironically, you think like that's where it's most fun, but the higher up you get, the more scrutinized you get the more judgment there is, the more time you spend out there working on your craft. And so the more you're exposed to like being judged and feeling pressure and living up to expectations, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so it's brutal because you're like, I was doing this to have fun. And every time I go in this environment now, it's two and a half, three hours worth of being anxious and, and being judged and feeling pressure and trying to live up to an expectation and fearing failure. Like that's not fun. You know what I mean? Like I want to have fun. Well, this is why you need to learn to play in a space that's yours. This is why you need to learn to exist in a cocoon. This is why you need to learn to play this game within the game because then you get to play your game on your terms. It's your game. It's not someone else's. It's yours. You don't need to play for somebody else. Everybody else is a beneficiary of you having learned how to extract your greatness for you. And the second that happens, then everybody in whatever environment you're in benefits from that you don't need to play for them you're playing for you if you do that you win the second you make it about those exogenous forces that you do not control you are in trouble that's when the quicksand starts and that's when the abyss begins and, and unfortunately athletes one don't even understand that two they don't have the ability to access how you unlock that component so that they can put that game in a backpack that i'm talking about and take it everywhere and truly experience sports and their greatness the way that it was meant to be performed and played. And that's what I want for people. That's why I created the video series.
0: I was just going to ask, how do they do that? Like, is the best way to go to your website and uh, get the video series? Can they reach out to you if they want to work in person? Like, what, like what, what areas of service do you provide for the people, and where can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so my website
1: at FusionOdyssey.com is where they can access the video series. Again, it's a 28-video series. The videos range from 6 to 21 minutes. It's inexcusable that you couldn't find that time per day for 28 days to watch one video and then take notes. It will transform your game. And, and truth be told, it's going to affect your life because it's going to allow you to see light through a lens that other people don't know how to access. And you're going to learn that through simply like exploring unlocking a component of performance that pertains to sports, but all of a sudden you're like, whoa, well, this is really applicable to my life. This is going to change how I perceive how I'm going to exist in this world moving forward. And it's powerful. I mean, this is, I'm not just a football guy. I'm a person who loves life and loves people and loves purpose and loves passion, wants to support other people's greatness in my borrowed time here on earth. Like that's, otherwise I wouldn't even waste my time trying to help the universe of athletes get access to this but i know that literally it's going to transform the game they allow themselves to play and probably their life at the same time so they can go to fusionodyssey.com i literally have discounted this series by 90 percent at its launch and because of the corona pandemic um so that i'm giving them the easiest ability to work and develop a component of their game that they otherwise would not because they're going to think it's about going to the batting cages. They're going to think it's about going to throw bullpens, They're going to think about going to take ground. It's not. You can do that till the cows come home. You're still not going to unlock 66% of your game. So if you go to my website, you can access a video series there. And now's the time to do it because it's discounted. Um, if someone wants to consult with me, they can do that by reaching out to me um, at mentor at fusionodyssey.com, which is also on my website um, where they can call me and they can set that up because I consult. With athletes, and I have done that for years with too many athletes to count, because that's kind of stage one. Depending on the depths of what something, I'm sorry, what someone is going through, um, it might require consulting with them first so that they are willing to become this blank canvas and leave whatever they were behind and be ready to go experience themselves and their sport differently. So, um, if someone is unsure of that, they can reach out to me to set up a consultation, and I can tell them. Uh, They can get a 15-minute free consultation with me just to tell me what's going on. I can tell them if I think the consultation is appropriate or if they could go straight to my video series or if neither is appropriate. Um, So that's the way they can get with me. And then, of course, they can reach out to me uh, uh, to work with me directly. Um, That's a little more challenging until I go create workshops where I would do a workshop specifically for baseball players, and it would be a weekend workshop where half of that is in a conference room. Literally breaking down every component of the mind for you, and the other half is taking you out on the field and literally showing you in your sport what that connection and hyper focus and game within the game and feel actually looks like, and you can experience it yourself. Uh, so until that happens, if you're not in my backyard, it's a little more challenging to work one-on-one privately, um, and uh, that's challenging anyway, just because I don't have a ton of time to do that. Uh, but I would say consultation is an option, and absolutely the video series is a no-brainer given the cost. I mean, they'll spend kids are going to spend more money on four or five private hitting lessons than they ever will on a video series that can unlock 66% of their game. So, you know, at some point you got to realize if you want to experience yourself in, in success differently, then you got to start thinking differently. If you're unwilling to do that, then you're going to leave the ability to be great for somebody else. Cause they're going to take the step forward and unlock the component of performance that we've been ignoring for far too long. And it's time and people are coming out. And talking about professional athletes are coming out talking about how critical that game is they're talking about mental health in sports you know one out of three college athletes are depressed or have overwhelming anxiety well why is that they're working really hard they made it to college sports they've worked on their craft they're really good at it well why is that my question would be have you ever unlocked a mental game and i know the answer because no one's ever been exposed to it. No one's ever talked about it, let alone given them a the pathway to it. So I know the answer. You know, if you just spent 12 years working on the mental game in addition to your technical game, you would, that, that statistic would not exist. So I want to help athletes experience themselves and success differently. That's how they do it.
0: Coach, Thank you so, so much for coming on and giving us some of your time. We greatly appreciate it. I agree 100% wholeheartedly with everything you talked about because myself, I went through that same experience of playing with failure and coming out of it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, For those of you who are interested, it's Fusion Odyssey, F-U-S-I-O-N dot com. I'll leave the links below. And, again, Coach, thank you so, so much for what you're doing and helping all these young athletes, especially from the baseball community. We want to thank you. And uh, if uh, we can do anything else to help, please let us know, and I hope to talk to you very soon.
1: Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. And they can follow me at Fusion Odyssey on social media. I'm not great on social media. I'm going to get better very quickly here in terms of being consistent. And the web love, web love is fantastic. I have guys that are pro guys that use it and they absolutely loved it. So the web glove is money for anyone out there to play this different game that I'm talking about. Even if you don't know how to play that game, just getting a web glove and working on taking grounders and fly balls and stuff with that is going to make someone exponentially better because it's a different game.
0: I love that drill that I saw also in the video with the pitchers where you were hitting, I believe it was real golf balls with a tennis racket to a player fielding the balls with the web glove. That was really cool.
1: They're actually foam balls, but they're, they're pretty hard, but they're foam balls. But, yeah, I mean, it's, that, that glove is absolutely – it activates a different sensory system because there is no margin for error. Again, you can only play one game, and that's to get right in that web. That's the only thing that, that allows us to build a victory and win. So um, there's this whole psychological component to doing that that you can activate with that glove. But even if you don't know the psychological part, just getting it, I mean, again, to me that's a no-brainer. If you're gonna take grounders, you're gonna take fly balls. You could take fly balls with a regular glove till the cows come home. You could take grounders till the cows come home. I've worked with one builder out there with the web glove who just got done taking grounders at a former professional baseball player's house before he saw me. Right after we were done, I said, Did you just get done taking grounders like we just did? He goes, Not even close. And so that's what I mean. Like that the web glove offers a chance to to work on your craft differently. So when you, by the time you get back to the regular glove and a regular ball, it's a joke. You should be exponentially better, for sure.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm grateful for the web glove because it connected us. So uh, it's uh, great to have this connection with you now and, and be able to uh, you know, change some of the lives of the baseball players that follow me um, through your program. So that's awesome. And uh, thank you again, Coach. I hope to talk to you very soon.
1: Thanks, Coach, Brad. Appreciate you, brother.